0: Well, good morning everyone. If you're like me, you've discovered that cell phones, not only uh, mobile phones like this, not only revolutionize the way you talk on the telephone, it's the way you listen to music. Because if you have a streaming music service like Spotify or uh, Pandora, or even now on YouTube, you can do this. You can create playlists. You can take all your favorite songs and clump them into these little uh, lists that you can play again and again, depending on what you're doing. Like on my phone, I've got things where it's classic rock and roll. There's like uh, workout music. There's just some meditation stuff I like to study by. There's ballroom dancing. No, that's not on there. I don't have that. But, anyway, <laughs> but as you listen to these things, what's fun about it is somebody else will be playing some music and they go, oh, let me shoot you my playlist. And they just forward it to you. And now you have all their favorite songs. And it's great. And you can listen to them. Well, long before there were any cell phones and long before there were streaming music services, there was book, there was the book of Psalms in the Bible. And Christians for hundreds and hundreds of years have used uh, the Bible to create playlists of their own. And on the back side of the outline that's in your bulletin, you'll find a little playlist for today. We're doing a new series, we've entitled the recommended playlist. So I'm going to give you some playlists of some psalms. Uh, the Psalms, by the way, 150 of them tucked right in the middle of the Bible where some of the psalms are when you're feeling sad. Some are when you're feeling victorious. Some are when you're in a time of waiting. Some when you're in a time of despair. Some in a time of worship. And we're going to give you different playlists that have to deal with this. Today, we're talking about when I'm afraid, when I feel anxious and fearful. Anybody ever deal with that? Well, it sure would be nice if you had something to meditate on that would help you deal with that. And today, we're going to look at number one on the playlist here, psalm number, number three fleeing Absalom on this little playlist, but there are a bunch of others here that I didn't have time for, and I could have put many more. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a helpful list to start with, but if you read each of these psalms, you'll find when during a time of fear, you'd go, oh, that gives me a completely different perspective, and that's why psalms is often called the songbook of the soul. The psalm we're reading today is written by David when he was running away from his son Absalom, who was trying to kill him. I mean, he knew a little bit about fear and how to deal with it. And you, you and I will gain some amazing insights. So, we need to look at these psalms as hymns, as poems, as guides for when we pray. How do we talk to God to unburden our souls of fear and anxiety today? But you can use any of these psalms anytime. And what I do, actually, if you would, uh, when people ask me, hey, I'm dealing with fear or something, can you shoot me something? Well, I have verses out of each of these psalms all under the heading of fearful. And then when people write me, I have other headings for people dealing with grief or other times when people are dealing with worry and other things. I have verses set up because I meditate on them when I'm fearful. I meditate on them when I'm thankful or when I'm worried. And then if they ask me for a verse, I shoot it to them. It was funny. This morning, uh, one of my sisters uh, texted me. She's going through a difficult situation and uh, so I sent her a verse, and she goes, oh, thanks. Man, that was amazing you had that. And I go, well, thanks for being a sermon illustration. Anyway, um, you know, <laughs> but it was exactly what I'm talking about. I had it on my phone, and I sent it to her. And I hope that you'll use these playlists this way. I hope you'll take these home and look them up and write down a few verses, mark them in your Bible, even make a little uh, you know, insert, or a, a paper uh, bookmark out of them. Or put them on your phone in the notes section like I do and just keep them there. And that way you can reflect on them when you, just, when you really need a word from the Lord. Because the Psalms get in touch with who we are on the inside and help us express our deepest feelings to God. I mean, you'll see that with David. David loved the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 3, you'll see him opening his heart when he was fearful and anxious. And he had every reason to be. But he dealt with it with God's help. And we are so blessed because we have God's word on how he did it. You're going to be blessed today. You're going to be encouraged today. God's going to strengthen us through his word. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for the playlist that we've listed here, all these Psalms, and there's many more. Father, that you don't want us to live fearful lives, anxious and afraid. And God, I pray that today you will speak and move me out of the way. And teach us some things, how David dealt with those things. Because we want to be like him. People after your own heart. If you want God to speak to you about this today, say, God, I could really use a word to overcome fear and anxiety in my life. Pray now and say, God, please, please give me what I need to hear today. Give me the wisdom and insight that you want to give me today. If that's a desire of your heart, pray it now and say, God, I want to hear from you. Thank you for David. Thank you for Psalms. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. When I'm fearful, it's uh, Psalm 3, oldie but a goodie. We're starting with that one, all right? Here's the situation. It's the top of your outline here. Let me just read through it, and you'll see why I've chosen this one uh, to talk about fear. It's only eight verses long, but it's packed with good insight. This is the psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying, God will never rescue him, but you, O Lord, you're a shield around me. You're my glory and the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid, and if you'd circle that phrase, I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked, for victory comes from you, O Lord, and may you bless your people. I mean, that's the whole psalm. That's the whole psalm. But it gives us such encouragement incredible hope and encouragement. Now, if you want to know why David wasn't afraid or why I'm choosing this one, let me give you a little backstory if you're not familiar with the whole incident with Absalom. It's under point one there because David talked to God about his fear and anxiety. He talked to God about his fear and anxiety. We'll come back to how to talk to God about it in just a minute. But David did this, and he experienced real fear and real anxiety because point A points out that he was being hunted down by an army of his own people led by his own son. Absalom was one of David's sons who had, through cunning and flattery, been organizing a coup against his father. David was king of Israel, and Absalom, for four years, had been meeting people who came to David for a ruling. There was no supreme court. You went to the king if you needed wisdom on a court case. And Absalom would get up early in the morning and go out and meet people who were coming in for a ruling from the king. And he'd ask them, hey, what have you seen the king about? And they'd tell him their case. And they'd go, oh, I think you got a good case there. Wish I was king. I'd rule in your favor. But, you know, maybe my dad will. Hope he will. And he'd let him go. They'd try to bow down. He'd go, no, no, no. I'm just Absalom. I'm I'm just an ordinary guy. The Bible says Absalom was incredibly handsome and Uh, amazingly well built and people just found him attractive and he put on all these airs of humility because all along he was planning to win people's hearts over. He did this every day. And after four years, he felt like he had enough of the high-ranking officials and enough popular support that he could declare himself king. And so one day he did. He declared himself king. It was time for him to be made king in place of his father David. And that's the reference in 2 Samuel 15 that's in your outline. Well, a messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. David said, well, then we must flee at once. It'll be too late. Hurry, if we don't get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared, or if we get out before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. I mean, this wasn't going to be just a, a political event. In those days, when you became king, I mean, when you did this, you had to kill the other king. David's head was on the line and the head of all of his officials. And David said, Well, we've got to get out of here before he and his new army, all the people who joined him, before they get to town, because there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. And so they ran. And so, and you think about being afraid. I mean, David's literally running for his life from his own son. But point B, David had, more than that, he had a reason to be anxious because the question was, had God replaced him? David had become king because he had been anointed king by the prophet Samuel. He was to be Israel's king in place of a failed King Saul, wicked King Saul. And there were people saying now, since Absalom was coming in, maybe God had taken his hand of favor off of him. In fact, they, weren't even, they were leaving the maybe off of it. There were many people who were saying God had abandoned David. They told him he was useless. 2 Samuel 16. As King David was running, he came to Bahurim, and a man came out of a village there cursing them. This is David and his men. It was Shimei, the son of Girah, from the same clan as Saul's family. Saul had been the king before David. David had taken his place. And he was from Saul's clan. Well, he threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you'll taste some of your own medicine. You're a murderer, which doesn't bid for a good day. Okay, that's just hard to hear. So David is running for his life. A few of his men have stayed with him. I mean, it's hundreds of people. It's not insignificant, but compared to the whole army of Israel, it's a really small group. And on the way, David's walking. Apparently, there's a high bank, and this Shimei guy is throwing rocks and dirt down on him and going, You murderer, you're worthless. God's paying you back. God's taking his hand off of you. He talked about anxiety. And what if God had? Now what? And in the midst of all this, running for his life, people saying he was done, David wrote the psalm we read just a minute ago. Now it's important to note here that David had to deal with a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety. I want to just two related, but I, want to, I think it's important we kind of separate a little bit. First of all, the first blank there is fear in your outline. Fear is a distressing emotion about an impending danger. But fear of a specific danger can lead to constructive action. I mean, the fear of Absalom coming and burning the city down and killing everyone led David and his men to flee at once. I mean, they were, make, they were booking it out of town. They were getting out of town as fast as they could. That's a good thing. If there's a rattlesnake in the middle of a path when I'm hiking It's a good thing that I get a dose of adrenaline when I hear the rattles go off and I run the other way. That's a good thing. I mean, fear can inspire us to action. But then you look at the next blank, but anxiety is a little more. It's kind of like another level, a deeper level of fear. Where there's not a snake present, but I just got this uneasy feeling about maybe nobody likes me. I don't think God has a plan for me. I'll never get married. Nothing's going to work anyway. And it's this vague thing. There's not one specific cause, but it just hangs on. I mean, like a, a fear event could be like a, you bump your head and you got a headache for a while. You take some aspirin and it goes away. Anxiety is like a low-grade fever that lasts for weeks and months and you just, it just saps all your strength. Fear can inspire you to get going. Anxiety just paralyzes you and depresses you. And David was dealing with both. He had a real danger. And on the way, he's got people literally telling him, even God hates you. You're worthless. And in the middle of all this, David said, no, no, I'm not giving in to fear or anxiety. Point C, the psalm shows us how David overcame his fear. We'll take fear first. He overcame his fear by getting his sense of security from the Lord. I mean, listen to verses uh, 3 through 6 again. Read them a minute ago. Let me read them again. But you, O Lord, you're a shield around me. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. And I lay down and slept. Yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. I mean, David wasn't even exaggerating. There were at least 10,000 people who wanted to kill him. And yet David said, I lay down and slept because the Lord is a shield around me. Now look, When you've got real pending danger coming at you, sleep doesn't come easy. But David was able to lie down and sleep because the Lord would protect him. I mean, he really believed this. And the question for you and me is, when we face a real danger, a real crisis at work, a bad diagnosis from the doctor, a broken relationship, where do we get our sense of security? I mean, David could have said, how am I going to lie down and sleep because i got my best men with me. My army will protect me. But the truth was, his army was completely outnumbered. And David didn't put his stock just in his troops. They did have to fight, by the way. But he was confident that God would give him the victory because he gave God the responsibility for his protection. If you open your outline, the life application for you and me is this. We need to get our sense of security from the Lord. From the Lord. Notice we didn't say we need to get our sense of security from our bank account balance. Our sense of security from our career. Our sense of security from... Put anything else in there. It always falls short. Because the Lord says, get your security from me. I mean, do you believe in me or not? And David did. Here are a couple of verses from another song on the playlist, Psalm 27. Listen to these verses, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Because David said, you can come against me, but, and Absalom could claim to be king, but David knew that he had been anointed by Samuel. He knew that God had given him this assignment, and he knew that it was up to God to protect him the same way he protected him when he ran head first, facing a giant decades earlier. He was a little shepherd boy then. And Goliath was an experienced warrior, over nine feet tall. And David ran at him with a sling and a stone. And Goliath told him, he said, come here, boy. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds today. And David said, oh, no, you won't. Because you're coming against me with sword and spear and javelin, and they're huge. But I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord High God, and he is infinitely bigger. And I'm going to feed you your flesh to the birds today. And he took that sling and that stone and God guided that rock like a missile, hit Goliath in the forehead, he fell face down. David took Goliath's own sword and cut off his head with it. And he was just a shepherd boy. David had confidence then that God would protect him and David had confidence when Absalom was chasing him. God, you're going to protect me because I know I'm your man. You anointed me for this. I don't know how you're going to do it but you're going to do it because I trust you. Listen to what Paul wrote, about, Paul wrote about this in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? I want us to read this out loud, please. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now I want you to turn to a person next to you and ask them this same question. Do it right now. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you're supposed to go, I don't know. <laughs> Beats me. I mean, it's a rhetorical question because it's ridiculous. If God's for us, who can be against us? And David really believed that. The question is, do you and I believe that when danger comes? Bad diagnoses will come. Tornado sirens will sound. Problems at work will happen. Financial reversals, they're coming sooner or later. Where will we turn, and in whom will we trust to find our security? In the margin, just write Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It's a verse we quote here often. It simply says this. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Give thanks for everything that God's already done. Along with your requests, give thanks. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, David had peace and could lie down in safety and sleep because he knew God was fighting his battles for him. Do you know that peace? I mean, do we really believe we serve the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth? Then we need to trust him. But David said even more in this psalm, and I want to point out a phrase that you may not have caught, David also overcame his anxiety by getting his identity from the Lord, not, not the opinions of others. And it's this little phrase, and I, I I'm, tend to make a little bit out of this because it's important we understand what he's saying here. In the middle of that, when he said, I cried out to the Lord, and he's a shield around me, right after that, in verse 3, he also said, you are my glory, the one who holds my head high. And this word glory, that's an old Hebrew word, that Uh, David would have used, it's pronounced kavod, and it means weight or honor or splendor or dignity or reputation. He said, Lord, I know you're the one who anointed me king. I know I'm your man for this job, and because you have selected me and because I'm your man, then your identity is mine. I get my identity from the Lord My reputation comes from him, not from me, and not from what other people think about me. What did other people think? Murderer! God took his hand off you a long time ago. You're finished! Talk about anxiety. Absalom's going to kill you. David goes, no. No. I'm the Lord's anointed. God chose me for this. His identity is on the line, not mine. David couldn't find security and self-worth and his own identity in what he had done. Couldn't say I'm a good father. His own son was trying to kill him. Couldn't say the people loved me. They turned against him. Couldn't say he was king and he was in charge. Not anymore. Well, where would his identity come from? Well, not from his career, not from all his successes. And by the way, when, when uh, Shimia was shouting at him, he was a murderer. David really was. He'd had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba, and then he had her husband killed to cover it up. And David knew all of this. And so he came to the Lord and said, Lord, you're a shield around me. You protect me because of your identity. I'm your servant. I'm your child. Now, this is true for you and me, all of us who know Christ. We need to get our identity from the Lord, not from the opinions of others. Some of you need to desperately hear this today. It is so easy for us to get our self-worth from others, what they think of us. And the problem with it is, is the opinions of others are constantly changing. Has anybody ever figured this out besides me? It's really hard to figure out what people think about you. And yet we worry about it all the time. And some of us feel trapped by it. And that's what causes all that anxiety, like that low-grade fever. We never get free from it. Because, see, here are a couple of things to ask ourselves. Here's how I know if I'm putting too much stock in the opinions of others. I'm overworked because I'm constantly trying to please others, so I never say no. Or maybe I make up small lies about myself to embellish my record or embellish my accomplishments because then I think people will like me better. Or maybe I compare myself relentlessly and I'm feeling jealous or angry or depressed because other people got a better shot than I do. Am I talking to anybody who can relate to anything I'm talking to yet? Talking about yet? Oh, yeah, this is the human condition. And I'm not going to share my faith with anybody. Oh, heavens, no. I mean, I don't know what they think of me then. David wasn't like that. I mean, if he was going to go by public opinion, he was already toast. So here's a guy running for his life. Every reason to be afraid. Here's a guy that people called him a murderer and were throwing rocks on his head. I and mean, this is why it's worth our time to read a 3,000 year old, the lyrics to a 3,000 year old song. It's the same stuff we deal with, only he's dealing with it like at level 200 compared to our problems. I mean, he wasn't even exaggerating with 10,000 enemies on every side, there were more than that. And yet David said, no, no. I'm not going to get my identity from my failures. The Lord knows that, and he's forgiven me. Psalm 56.4, another song on the playlist. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? David said, I'm not trusting in people. I'm trusting in God himself. Not only for my protection, but for my identity. The kavod of God, the glory of God is my glory. If I adopt a child into my family, that child gets my last name. I adopt a boy into my family, he becomes a Schmidt boy, just like my other sons. That's his identity now. Do you know that Jesus did the same thing for you and me? When he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross... We began that relationship. The Bible says we're adopted into his family. Listen to Romans 8. Here are, another, here are a few more verses. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's why in a lot of churches, uh, Christians there call each other brothers and sisters. Hey, Brother John. Hey, Brother Bill. They're the brethren, and the women are the sisterin, or whatever it is, the sisters, okay? Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Well, that's actually very biblical because we're adopted into God's family. He wants lots of kids in his family. And we come to him. I mean, that's what's so wonderful. His identity becomes ours. Our sin was taken by Christ on the cross. His righteousness was given to us. My shame is what he bore and nailed on the cross. His reputation is what's been given to me. That's why I don't need to depend on what other people think of me. What matters is, what does Jesus think of me? And having called them, listen, I'm not exaggerating this, having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory, his reputation, his honor. To all of us who know Christ, this is a great joy for us, and today somebody's got to say Oh, yeah. Can somebody say that right now? Oh, yeah. That's a version of hallelujah. Anyway, that would be it. I mean, this is us. And you know why we go through these psalms is because David didn't allow the opinions of others to sap his strength. I and mean, He needed to be ready for the battle, and he needed to be there for his men. And the devil would love to get us all bound up, anxious and afraid. We can't even make the most of tomorrow because we're still worried about the past and we are completely balled up in what somebody else thinks of us. And sometimes they're not even thinking about us at all, but they just didn't smile at us and we interpreted that they hate me. It's true. I mean, you can do the same thing we did before there. Where do I get my identity? Do I get my identity from my job? What happens when I retire? Do I get my identity from my bank account? Or what if the money's spent? Do I get my identity from my relationships? Or what if my spouse dies? My identity has to come from the Lord alone, and David knew that so that even in the depths of despair, running for his life from his own son trying to kill him, he goes, Lord, you're a shield around me. You'll protect me. I can lie down in safety. I'm not going to be anxious or afraid because you'll protect me and my identity comes from you. We need to hear this today. This is the recipe for peace. A couple of other things. Point eight David was gut level honest when he prayed, too. God loves that. He was gut level honest with the Lord about his feelings. Verse seven, let me read it again Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God, slap all my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked. When David just talked to God, and he said, he poured out his heart. And he goes, God, you anointed me for this. Absalom has been conniving, and he stole this. He's going to be a wicked, cruel tyrant. God, you've got to stop this. Stop this. They're trying to kill me. Slap them in the face. Knock out their teeth. I mean, just let it all out. And so often in our culture today, we fall into extremes on either side of that where sometimes we just, even though we're upset and we're angry, we just stuff it all in. Even with God, we don't tell anybody what's going on. Oh, I don't want to be carried away. I don't want to get too emotional on this. Oh, I don't, don't want to let God know. I mean, people come and pray with me in my office and they'll go, oh, I'm so mad at my husband or I'm so worried about my kids and all stuff. And they'll just do something like this and they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want God to hear that. And I go, oh, I think he knew. They go, well, is that okay? And I go, is it okay to tell God what he already knows? Is it okay to tell God that I'm scared to death? Is it okay to tell God that he has to protect me, and God, you've got to fight this, and God, I don't know what to do? Yes. That's the life application. You and I need to be gut-level honest with the Lord about our feelings. I mean, that's crying out to the Lord, Tell him what's really there. You don't have to worry about flowery speech. Here's what Jesus said. Look, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners using all the right words and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. I mean, they're just doing it for a show. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on people of other religions do, they think their prayers are answered because they repeat the same words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. The idea is, shut the door, do business with God, tell him what's really on your heart. I mean, Psalm 3 is only eight verses long. Not a hundred and eight. But David honestly believed when he surrendered to the Lord, the Lord's going to protect him He honestly said, my identity comes from you. My friends, if you and I have given our lives to the Lord, our sins are forgiven, washed away. We're made new. We are children of the King. Our identity can't come from Twitter. One other point, real quickly. It's point two. God answered David's prayer by rescuing him and blessing the people of Israel. David said, You gotta give me victory. Psalm 3:8. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. David wanted justice. This is gonna be a disaster. Absalom's gonna be a wicked, horrible king. He'd killed in revenge before, he was certain to do it again. He was vain. He was conniving and scheming, and David knew it. He said, God, victory's got to come from you. You can't let this happen. He prayed for justice, he prayed for protection. So here's what happened God did give him victory. The commanding general that David had that was loyal to him was a man by the name of Joab, and of the troops that had remained loyal, Ten of Joab's young armor-bearers then surrounded Absalom. This is from 2 Samuel 18. And they killed him. It was a big battle. Absalom had brought the armies of Israel down. Fierce fighting. Lots of people died. But they surrounded Absalom and killed him. And then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it. And all of Israel fled to their homes. It was utter defeat for Absalom. David had counted on it and prayed about it. Now, it's important here for us to remember that we need to pray that God will rescue us and others from fear and danger. I mean, fear is coming. I mean, reasons to fear are coming. There are dangers coming, that's what I should say. Reasons to fear are coming. Whether we'll be controlled by fear or not, Is entirely up to us. I mean, if I fear God, then I don't have to fear what others think. If I trust God for protection, then I trust God. The Apostle Paul was put to the test this way in 2 Corinthians 1. He said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we'd never lived through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. Now we've placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And listen to this. And you are helping us by praying for us. Please underline that. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Should we pray for safety for each other? Well, of course. I mean, how do we react when last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, Christians in Sri Lanka went to church to worship the risen Savior? And terrorists from the Islamic State walked in with backpacks full of plastic explosives and detonated themselves killing hundreds of people who came to worship Jesus. I mean, 30% of the people they killed were children. These are wicked people. And we need to pray that Christians will be protected. Only 7% of Sri Lanka's population is Christian. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for protection. Paul says it really helped. We thought we were going to die, but we know you guys are praying for us. We need to pray for each other. Pray for safety. Protection from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how you should pray. We need to pray that for ourselves and for others. David did. Protect me, Lord. Grant me victory. Bless your people. That's why this psalm is so important. This is a song for our soul when we're afraid. Listen to it again. Now you know the story. Now you know what it means. Listen to it. It's just like on a playlist, you hear a good song. Oh, I want to hear that again. Listen to it again. It's even better a second time through. A psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. But you, oh, Lord... A shield around me. You're my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord! Rescue me, my God! Slap all my enemies in the face! Shatter the teeth of the wicked! For victory comes from you, O Lord! And may you bless your people. Now that's a good song. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I thank you for David. I thank you for a man who knew how to write songs that get right to the heart of the matter. I want a heart like his. I want to depend on you and not my own strength. I want to pray and not be afraid. If the Lord spoke to you this morning while I was talking, we prayed at the beginning that He would give you a word today, something to encourage you and help you. If you heard something today, you go, Oh Lord, I needed to hear that. Tell Him that right now and say, Lord, I heard what you said to me. Thank you. I needed this in my life today. Thank Him. And now surrender your greatest fear to him right now and say, oh God, you know this scares me to death. Oh God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. Whatever it is, finances, relationship, career, whatever. Pray to him right now and just say, God, you know what scares me to death. Lord, you're a shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts my head. I am your child. I need you. And finally, Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in Sri Lanka. They're half a world away, but they are under your care. Oh, God, we pray that you will comfort the grieving families who are burying their children who are blown to pieces by wicked men. Who have promised to do it again. And God, we pray that you will protect them. Protect these Christians. Lord, they're a small minority in that country. And Lord, they have an opportunity to share their faith now in the way they handle grief, in the courage they display as they face the future unafraid, trusting in you. Father, be a shield around them. Protect them. And remind us to pray for them often. This is awful. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for our identity in his name. We pray these things as your children crying out, Abba, Father, hear our prayers. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so.